Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. I live in East Tennessee, and red wolves aren't even supposed to be here. But I looked up wolves on the internet, and I promise this is what I seen. I sit on my porch smoking and on my phone at all hours. It was about 4 a.m. quiet, which is unusual since I live in the mountains. Closest neighbors are about one half mile away. My hackles stand up as I'm engulfed in something on my phone. So I look up. I look around and I don't see it at first. But this wolf was only about 15 feet from me. 
My porch is about eight feet high, one way up and down. Now I see coyotes almost every night. I'll just stomp my foot and they run off. I was so shocked I couldn't mow at first. This thing was just huge and not moving at all looking at me. I pull myself together and stomp my foot. This thing never even twitched a muscle or moved. I'm terrified. I slowly stand up, never taking my eyes off of it and back into my house. I instantly go to the window and look out and poof gone. I walked around my home looking out every window, nothing. We have motion light on each corner of our house that are set off constantly. But somehow this thing didn't trigger them. No one believed me when I say I saw a wolf, especially one that big. But we have those concrete deer in our yard, not far from where this happened. This wolf made them look tiny. It was also so broad. I will admit, I have never seen a wolf before. But this thing terrified me. The fact it never even twitched when I stomped my foot and just stared at me. Like, damn, I get chills every time I think of this. I had just finished doing laundry in the basement, and as I gathered my clothes, I couldn't help but feel a chill run down my spine. I had always been slightly unnerved by the basement, but today, the feeling was stronger than ever. Despite my discomfort, I shrugged it off and began my ascent towards the staircase. As I walked, I suddenly noticed something out of the corner of my eye. I turned my head and, to my utter disbelief, I saw a misty apparition floating in the air. It was the ghostly figure of a head, adorned with a powdered wig reminiscent of the 18th century. I couldn't believe my eyes, and I stood there frozen as the mysterious figure drifted slowly across the room. I blinked a few times, trying to convince myself that it was just a figment of my imagination. But the apparition remained very much present and real. It was as if it was beckoning me to follow, and I couldn't help but feel strangely drawn to it. The ethereal figure continued to float, moving closer and closer to the wall. I held my breath, unsure of what would happen next. As the apparition reached the wall, it didn't stop. Instead, it disappeared right into it, as if the solid barrier was of no consequence. I stared at the spot where the ghostly figure had vanished, trying to make sense of what I had just witnessed. I couldn't help but wonder if the apparition was somehow connected to the house's history, or if it was a message from the past, attempting to reach out to me. With a racing heart and questions swirling in my mind, I made my way up the stairs and back to the safety of the main floor. But one thing was for certain I would never forget the day. I encountered the mysterious powdered wig apparition in the basement. I had two eerie experiences out in the bush while working in Colombia and Africa. I was not hunting either time, but it was definitely wilderness, so I guess that qualifies for this thread. When we lived in Bogota, Colombia, I traveled to the Amazon on several occasions for work. On one occasion, I took the family to the river town of Latisa, which is on the Amazon River where Colombia, Peru, and Brazil all meet. Latisha was one of the safest towns in Colombia since it is so far from anything, even the FARC and the ELN guerrillas didn't have much of a presence in the area. Letitia is kind of a frontier town, like I imagine St. Louis was in the 1830s. Within three, four hours by boat from Letitia, you still have tribes in the Javari Valley that have had none to very limited contact with the outside world. 
men from the Tikuna, Hidoto, and Yagua tribes come into town to trade, sell skins on the black market, etc. There are some men who are both fluent in Spanish Portuguese and the many Indian languages of the area, and they act as a go-between and often travel for weeks into the forest to trade. One, one trip. We took a boat up river about two hours to Puerto Norino, and I found a Tikuna Indian since the area north and west. Of there is Tikuna land, with a canoe with an outbound motor, who agreed to take us north on the little tributaries and fish, do birding, etc. He told us about a tree that kills other trees, so we decided to go check that out and see if it was real. There were certain areas of the forest that he was very leery about and said that we could not stop as there were evil spirits in that part of the forest. The Tikuna we talked with also described a lot of animals that are not recognized by science and were not in any of the field guidebooks I have. It was interesting because they didn't exaggerate these animals as being special or unique. For example, when I asked about what cats there were, they described a jaguar, puma, ocalot, margay, and a cat about the size of a puma, but with much longer canine teeth than the rest. Both Tikuna I talked with spoke about this cat just as matter of fact they did about a jaguar, peccary, snakes, etc. Sounding excited or trying to get me interested. On the same trip, we also spent some time with a Hidodo guide in the area due north of Letitia. We got to a small village where they had just killed a jaguar that had attacked a hunter. The Hidodo also believe in a lot of the same animals that the Tikuna guy told me about but they are adamant about being out of certain areas by dark when they believe El Dueno de la Selva, Lord of the Forest, walks around. They described it as a dwarf-like being that has feet point backwards and can imitate any voice. They give a small offering anytime they hunt to pay safe passage in order to hunt and kill an animal. This being will often lure children out into the forest by imitating the voices of their parents, telling the child to go deeper and deeper into the forest until they are lost, and even their best trackers would lose the kid's sign at a certain point, as if the tracks suddenly disappeared and there were only a set of human-like tracks that appeared to be walking backwards. I know that a lot of indigenous tribes are very superstitious and believe in things that we think are strange, like they think some of the stuff we believe is crazy. But it was interesting to see experienced hunters that had just killed a jaguar with spears be absolutely terrified about a small dwarf-like creature that lures children away, their deaths. But there were a few times out there when the hair on your arms would stand up and you would feel that you were being watched. Most of the area is triple canopy, so it is fairly dark even during the day, and your eyes get tired and play tricks. Sometimes it would look like there was a man up ahead, but when you got there, it was some twisted vines. GPS didn't work because of the canopy, and all the creeks look the same, except where there is occasionally a fallen log to cross over on. But it was weird because that haunting feeling only occurred at certain times even though the entire trip was in similar terrain and vegetation. We also saw jaguar prints on top of our tracks that we had left two hours before, so I know there were lots of sets of eyes watching us, but that didn't phase the Hidato we were with. It was that other thing that they feared.
I've been on fishing and hunting trips in the Amazon, and it's a very wild and powerful place. Spent some time going deep into the other world with shamans before a hunt, having apes blown through a snuff cane into my nose to induce a vision quest. Talking with animal spirits that I was later hunting, lots of strange creatures and supernatural forces in that jungle. My most airy story was actually in Northern California. I was setting up camp one evening in the summer on a remote logging trail. It was hot and muggy, so I decided to walk down to a stream wearing nothing but a towel and go for a dip to cool off. On my way back to camp, as I was walking up the trail, I saw what looked at first like a doe walking towards me. I stopped and watched it getting closer to, and as it came into focus, I noticed a big circular head and thick black tail that swung to the side. OS, I said out loud, as I realized it was a mountain lion and a big one. Just then, it looked up at me, and we stared at each other for a moment. I raised my hands up to try and look bigger, realizing I had no weapon and was half naked. The cat looked at me and in one hop jumped into the scrub oak. I made some noise, collected myself, and continued on back to camp after waiting a few minutes. I got back to my camp about an hour later and the sun had gone down. I was lighting my camp stove to cook dinner. I turned on my headlamp and kind of stared at the ground, thinking about what had happened earlier. I even thought it was kind of cool to be able to see such an elusive animal. Easer, it was at that moment I felt a chill go up my back. Some primal instinct from deep in my brain was telling me something was very wrong. I turned around and looked into the tree above me. About 15 feet away was the shadowy figure of that same circular head I saw earlier. The eyes were locked onto me and glowed bright yellow. The cat knew I saw it and crouched into a pouncing position. I felt absolute terror, and I was now being hunted. This cat had been stalking and watching me the entire time, deciding when to make its move. In one leap, I made it into the back of my pickup truck and slammed the topper down. I could have won an Olympic medal for the distance I covered in that one move. It still gives me the shivers every time I think about it. The cat had me fair and square one second later, and it could have had the back of my neck in its mouth, and it would have been over for me. The air part is that I was no longer a hunter, but was stalked for almost an hour without ever realizing it. This probably isn't going to be the most spooky story. Just something happened to me recently that's kept me paranoid. My parents got ready for bed, and I was staying up late on my computer, as always. We said our good nights, and they went upstairs not too soon after. I heard a sound from the dining room window. It was as if someone took their hand and went down the entire length of the window with purpose and pressure, like nails on a chalkboard and the window is too high up for any of the animals in the forest outside our house to do it. Nor do any animals of that size even come close to the house. I don't think any human could possibly be that tall to be able to do it either. My dad can't even reach the top of the window, and he's around six feet. I paused everything and tried to listen to see if I could hear anything else. Footsteps, breathing, etc. Because I was too scared to go into the dining room to investigate, I wouldn't be able to see anything in that darkness anyways. But I heard nothing, just the hand down the window. It was petrifying and I still have no idea what happened. It's been a few days since then, but no sound has happened since. 
I worry one day I will stare through a window and see something staring back at me and promptly have a heart attack. Hey, hey, I do believe this isn't a natural thing as it was a very odd sound, like it was a bigger than usual hand rubbing my window. I don't see any other plausible explanation for it other than the paranormal. It was a night I'll never forget. About 10 years ago, my friends and I were driving in Jackson, New Jersey, headed to Sonic or someplace similar for a late night snack. We were all laughing and joking, enjoying the freedom of our youth and the open road ahead of us. As we continued down the highway, the atmosphere suddenly shifted. The night air grew thick with fog, swallowing the landscape and reducing our visibility to almost nothing. We slowed down, trying to navigate through the dense mist. Out of nowhere, a tall, ragged-looking man appeared in the road, only five feet in front of our car. It was as if he had materialized from the fog itself. My friends and I all saw him, and we screamed in terror, fearing the inevitable impact. Our driver slammed on the brakes, but we knew it was too late to avoid hitting the mysterious figure. We braced for the collision, but the impact never came. Our car continued to glide forward, and the man seemed to vanish as suddenly as he had appeared, confused and frightened. I quickly turned around to see what had happened to him, but the fog had disappeared completely, leaving no trace of the eerie figure we had just encountered. We drove to Sonic in stunned silence, each of us trying to process what had just happened. We couldn't find a rational explanation for the sudden fog, the ragged man, or his disappearance. To this day, we still talk about that night, wondering if we had somehow crossed paths with a ghost or a supernatural being. Despite the passing of time, the memory of that night remains vivid and chilling. The experience taught us that there are things in this world that defy explanation, and sometimes those mysteries reveal themselves when we least expect it. When I was around five years old, I started praying to Satan alongside my regular prayers, believing that he was protecting and loving me. My family was very religious, and we attended church frequently, so I prayed often. Over time, Satan started to communicate with me, although it's possible that it was just my overactive imagination as a child. I remember these experiences vividly, including dreams where I talked to Satan. One dream, in particular, stands out in my memory. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. In the dream, I found myself in a grassy field with a man who had no discernible features but seemed normal in appearance. We talked about my future, but in the clouds, he pointed out a hand reaching down. A powerful voice boomed, asking me to take the hand and renounce evil to come into the light. I felt compelled to take the hand, and I woke up feeling scared and hid under my sheets. After a while, something gently poked my solar plexus 
As I'm writing this, I still get goosebumps because this had me scared shitless the entire night. Sorry for the sudden change in tonello the following night. I had a sleepover with my sisters in the basement, and we prayed together before bed. After finishing my regular prayers, I started to pray to Satan again, but my sisters heard me and yelled at me, explaining why I should never pray to him and that I needed to repent. Later on in life, after I had stopped, I had my first confession, and I confessed my experiences with Satan along with other things to the priest. I wish there was more to this story, but there really isn't. I'm not sure if this was just a kid's overactive imagination or if I really spoke to the devil. I have similar stories I can share, but they require a lot more context, and I don't really feel like writing them out just to have people not believe me. Share your opinion on this or similar experiences you might have. Use chat GPT to revise this, so if some parts sound weird, that's why. I'll try to make it short, but when I was younger I was in bed with my mother and we were just jokingly trying to scare each other by telling different scenarios. Suddenly we both heard loud stomps right above us on the roof and we literally both froze in fear. It quite frankly sounded like a large man walking in circles on our roof with heavy combat boots. The thing is we were in a very secluded native reservation and the closest people to our house lived about six kilometers away. Also, mind you, it was wintertime, so I seriously doubt anyone would come to our house just to walk on our roof in 17 weather at 11.30 p.m. at night. My mother could tell that I was very frightened by what we were hearing, and so she made up an excuse for the noise, saying, oh, it's probably some dog's tail hitting the walls of our house. But it was definitely not that at all. She even later told me that she only said that to help calm me down. This walking noise continued for about 10 minutes, and it abruptly stopped and didn't continue on after that. We did make sure to lock all doors and windows that night, but we both definitely knew. It wasn't a physical intruder that was making those noises, but still better safe then. Sorry. In the end, we both don't know what the hell was walking on our roof that night. Like I said, it was also winter. And so the next morning, my mother went out to check for any tracks and there were simply none to be seen. Even on the roof, I have a lot more similar experiences like this. But none have stopped my heart like that night did. We also live in Ontario, so I frankly believe nothing. Here can make the heavy stomps we heard, let alone even get on the roof. Didn't see anything but heard. I lived in rural Massachusetts. To anyone who's familiar, that means miles of woodland with spaced-out suburban areas in between. I was walking down my grandfather's logging trail getting ready for his funeral. I'm also an avid mushroom collector, so I'm always walking slowly and staring at the ground. Friends hate me, basically, so I get to this cool little white captain mushroom and stop to take a close-up picture of it, and that's when I heard it. The best way I can describe it is as if somebody with a lot of flesh on his knuckles were punching a tree. Now I know what a deer sounds like when they stomp to protect their children and are smashing their antlers on trees. I've heard bear, fish, or cat, moose, pretty much any animal in the western Massachusetts that exists so naturally, I looked up and freaked the hell out. It was so rhythmic thud, 
Thud, thud, it went on for many at the same pace. So being the curious person that I am, I let out a whistle that couldn't be mistaken for a bird. Right after my whistle, I hear a low, quick whistle back. My first thought is, oh, it must be some logger scooping the land past the no trespassing gate ignorant I know. So I yell out hello, pretty much as loudly as I could. Then whatever it was ran away faster than I've ever heard a human being run. And using my experience with deer dogs, moose, and bear, I just assessed that I could have possibly rationalized it being a four-legged creature. I know that what they sound like running, and this was much closer to a two-legged creature. I'm 100% positive on that. What doesn't make sense, however, is that the two-legged creature, that when it ran away from me, faster than any two-legged creature I have ever heard before also sounded, like it was at a minimum 250 pounds. The steps were loud and very frantic. A lot of people believe Bigfoot has a spiritual connection to the forest it remains in, and thus the creatures in it as well. I do not find it a coincidence that this happened the day of my grandfather's funeral. I ran all the way home, and I have never looked back. I had an encounter with the winged creature myself, and even posted the story of what happened to a group on Facebook that talks about things. I'm 32 years old and had never seen anything supernatural or alien in my life. Until last summer, I had always been and still am very much a skeptic, and to this day, I try to convince myself that what I saw was actually a really big hawk or something, but I know I'm lying to myself. It was around 3.45 a.m. I'm driving west on 322 towards Chesterland, Ohio. I'm driving a Freightliner box truck with a load of newspapers. In the summertime of 2016 at night, there was always a layer of fog hanging down around the ground and the moon was bright and the stars were out. Going about 50 miles per hour through the hills, I see this dark figure in the moonlight that was coming right at me. It looked huge, so I slammed the brakes and actually ducked down instinctively because I was driving right toward it at windshield level. I heard a big thud as the figure had gone over the cab and smacked right into the flat aluminum box right behind the cab at probably 40 miles per hour. I kept my foot on the brake and came to a stop on the side of the road probably about 75 yards from where the impact happened, wondering if it had smashed into the top of the box and thinking maybe I could see what it was I hit. I got out and looked around. The box wasn't smashed in, so I walked around to the back of the truck. And that's when I saw it in the moonlight almost as clear as day. This thing was huge. I thought for sure it was dead. But all of a sudden it rolled over and that's when I saw its bat-like wings. Not bird-shaped. It rolled over and stood up on two legs and was at least six feet tall. The thing looked right at me with its raft half galleys, and I was literally frozen in fear. I could not move at all. Then it spread its huge wings out, jumped up, and flew off. I ran back to the truck and took off towards Chesterland as fast as I could and spent the rest of the night on edge and trying to rationalize what I had just seen. The closest thing I could describe it to is the Jeepers Creepers monster, but I wasn't that close to it that I could see facial features in much detail. Just the six-foot-tall bat-winged man with orange-red eyes. I do that route for work every week and every time I go through that stretch on 322. I get uneasy. It freaks me to this day.
I was 13, I think, going through severe depression, crying a lot for no reason most of the night. Got up to go to the washroom and wash my face. When I got out of the washroom, there was this thing hovering by the TV table in the hallway. It had limbs but very long fingers with long nails. Hair was like an afro but with long strands of spiky locks. I can't remember the facial features but I remember staring at in disbelief. And it's smiling back at me. I remember how the feet were floating few inches from the ground and how the white gown it wore was flowing. After I looked away and looked at the same place where it was, it was gone. I never saw it again. I have never hallucinated in my life. It seemed very real, like actually seeing another person in front of you and the distance between the washroom and the living is not far. Close enough to see someone smile or blink. Around 9 or 10 years ago, when I was 21, I used to play a lot of online poker. One night, it was pretty late, maybe around 3 a.m., and I decided to step outside for a smoke break. As I stood there, a little side street led into mine, and a strange van pulled out. It stayed there for a good 25 seconds, which I assumed was them scouting the area. I noticed they turned their heads towards me before driving off to the left. My neighborhood was usually quiet, and I didn't think much of it. However, a sudden uneasiness washed over me, and I couldn't shake the feeling that someone was watching me. Then, out of nowhere, a voice whispered my name directly into my right ear. I could feel the breath, the vibration of the voice, and its warmth. But when I looked around, there was no one there, not a single soul. I checked my neighbor's front yard and my garage, but I found nothing. Feeling unnerved, I tossed my cigarette, went back inside, and logged off my computer. I couldn't shake the feeling that something was off. As I was shutting down the PC, the van slowly drove past my house again. To this day, I firmly believe that the mysterious voice saved me from something sinister. What could have happened if I hadn't heard it? I'll never know, but I'm grateful for that inexplicable intervention that night. I've always loved hunting, and it's been a part of my life since I was 12 years old. My dad and I had an archery lease in the Texas Hill Country, and we'd spend countless hours scouting the land and tracking game. It was always a thrilling experience, being out there in nature, surrounded by the sounds and smells of the wild. But even with all my experience, there were times when I'd see things in the dark that would give me the creeps. Walking to and from my stand, which was about 1.5 miles from our camp, I'd hear strange noises and feel the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. But as time went on, I guess I got comfortable enough to not use a flashlight anymore. I mean, who needs one when it's a full moon, right? One night, as I was making my way back to camp, I nearly stepped on what I thought was a cow pie in the middle of the road. But as I was about to step over it, I noticed it was moving. At first, I thought it might have been some sort of rodent, but as I got closer, I realized it was a coiled-up western diamondback. The rattling sound it made was deafening, and it was clear that I had come way too close for comfort. I froze in my tracks, unsure of what to do next. The snake was clearly agitated, and I knew that any sudden movement on my part could set it off. I slowly backed away, trying to make as little noise as possible but the snake continued to rattle and coil itself up. 
It was a tense moment, and I couldn't help but feel a sense of fear creeping up inside of me. After what felt like an eternity, I finally managed to get far enough away from the snake to make a run for it. I sprinted the rest of the way back to camp, my heart pounding in my chest. My dad was waiting for me, and he could tell something was wrong. I told him about the encounter with the snake, and he shook his head in disbelief. We both knew that it could have been a lot worse. If I had stepped on the snake, it could have easily bitten me, and with no medical help around for miles, I could have been in serious trouble. It was a wake-up call for me, a reminder that even though I was experienced in the ways of the wild, there were still dangers out there that I needed to be wary of. From that day on, I made sure to always carry a flashlight with me, even on full moon nights. I learned that sometimes it's better to err on the side of caution, and that being prepared for anything is key when you're out in the wilderness. But despite the dangers, I knew that I couldn't give up hunting. It was too much a part of who I was, and I loved the thrill of the chase too much to ever give it up. I was bow hunting and had parked myself between two deer trails, each running alongside a clear cut. I was dead center with 25 yards between me and each trail. I faced west into the wind at about dusk. There was usually a lot of deer in the area, but on that evening it seemed very quiet, just as it became too dark to see my aiming sights. I heard crunching footsteps coming from directly behind me. At the time, I thought it might be a buck in rut. The animal seemed to be following my scent directly to where I was hidden in some blackberry bushes. A cover scent had been applied to my clothes and boots using pine needles that were blended with water. My clothes were soaked in the solution and dry, very effective. For deer, anyway. This animal walked right up to the clearing behind me. I had plenty of time to turn around to situate myself for a clear shot. I raised my bow and it came into view 25 yards away and stopped. It seemed to know exactly where I was sitting. We were staring at each other from a distance of about 75 feet for about a full minute. The Bigfoot slowly swayed back and forth a few inches from side to side. I estimated it to be about seven half tall and maybe 600 pounds plus. I never pulled back on the bow, and the Bigfoot eventually just turned around and walked in the same direction it came from. Because of the thick leaves on the ground, no tracks were found the next day when I returned to look around. This animal was black in color and its shoulders were approximately four feet wide. Since this incident happened, I've brought up this subject with many people in this area, and I am surprised at how many have had or know someone who has had experiences in this county. If you're ever in the area, look me up, and we can take a trip into the Cascades here behind my home.